The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Good morning, everyone. How are we today? It is a beautiful sun, uh, Sunday, a beautiful sunny weather. Anybody got sunburned this week? A couple of us, maybe some of you joining online, you got sunburned, so that's why you're home. But uh, so glad you're here today. Thank you for joining us, especially those online. Uh, so glad that you're able to be a part of our gathering today. Uh, I'm excited to continue in our series called Enemy at Work. Uh, We'd love for you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 8. We're going to get there in just a moment. Um, this series, just so you know, and just a reminder, maybe this is the first time you joined us for this series, the heart behind the enemy at work is to help us understand the fight that we are all in, the spiritual war that we are all in, and the enemy who is attacking, the enemy who's at work among us, and the tactics that he uses and deploys against each and every one of us, and also to equip us to be able to stand firm and be able to live righteous, God-honoring lives, glorifying him through the truth that we've been given. Uh, And so today I get the opportunity to continue this series in part two, uh, and I'm excited about it. As I was thinking about this uh, message today, it reminded me of a game or an icebreaker that I used to play or used to participate in, whether it was in like small group settings or it was in uh, missions trips or team building and developing moments. And it was a simple game called Two Truths and One Lie. Anybody know what game I'm talking about? Some of you do. You understand where I'm going. If you don't know what Two Truths and a Lie is, the simple premise is this, that you come up with, you think of two different statements that are true about you and then one lie. And you share it with your group And the group is then hearing you out, then trying to vote and figure out, okay, this is what I think the lie is. And the whole purpose of the icebreaker is to help build relationship, break the ice, help conversations start to happen and relationships start to form. Uh, If we were to play it today, if this was me, we're hanging out in a big group, uh, and here would be three statements I could make. I could make, I'm a father of three kids that I've lived in four different states in my life, and that the Seattle Seahawks are my favorite football team. If you know me, you know the lie is what? Seattle Seahawks is not my favorite football team. Go Dallas Cowboys. Thank you uh, to Patty who showed up and is repping Cowboys with me. Um, but that's, that's, that's the, the gist of the game. The whole point of it is to help build relationships, to help identify and learn more about each other. And as I was thinking about this series, it's like, okay, if the enemy was supposed to be here and a part of this conversation, I think these would be his two truths and a lie. First one is say, I want the best for you. Second one, I'm all powerful and can do anything. And the third one is say, I'm here to help you. If you know anything about the enemy, you actually know those three statements are all false. They're all lies about who he is, that he's not all powerful, that he doesn't want the best for you and I, and he's not here to help. Uh, And the reason why I bring it up is because I think it's important right out the gate to understand we are in a world at war like we identified last week, that there's an enemy who's out to steal, kill, and destroy each and every one of us. And here's the reason why. John chapter eight, Jesus makes this very strong statement, an identifying statement about the enemy that you and I face. And he says this in verse 44. He says, you are of your father, the devil, real quick. He's referring to a bunch of Jewish leaders who have believed everything Jesus has said, except not not believing in him. They have chosen like, yeah, I like what you say, but I don't like you. And so Jesus is calling them out for their double-mindedness. He's calling them out for their hypocrisy and the fact that they're just blatant liars. You believe me, but you really don't. Because their whole idea, as we know through the Gospels, is their intent was to kill Jesus, to have him die because of the truth he was speaking. So that's what Jesus is speaking to. He says, you are of the fa- your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. 
When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Let's pray today for God's word. Lord, we thank you for who you are and we thank you for bringing us to a point where we can have clarity to know who this enemy is. Not just that we would know who he is, but God, that we would also know how he comes at us, how he attacks us. And I pray that you would not just give us the understanding of those things, but God, also help us to remember you've given us truth to prevail. You've helped us and equipped us to stand firm in the midst of the attacks of the enemy. And we thank you today for your word. We thank you today for truth. And we thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to hear and be reminded of what you tell each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody said... Amen. Point blank, Jesus calls Satan out. He says, your father, the devil, is a father of lies. There's no truth in him whatsoever. He continued, this is something that the enemy has been doing since day one. This is not like he slowly converted to be this father of the lies. This is something who he has been from the very beginning. If you rewind all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, For a little bit of context, we see that God had just created the universe. He just created the earth as we know it. He just placed man and woman in the garden. He placed man, put him to sleep, created Eve out of the the rib of man. And he said, now go take dominion. Now go rule the land that I've promised you. They are perfect in this moment. They are without sin. They're walking in the cool of the day with their father. And it says this in Genesis chapter three, verses one through six. He says, now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, and I want you to underline these four words in your Bible. If you have a hard copy, if you have your Bible in front of you, it says this. It's okay, by the way, to underline your Bible. Um, If you take notes, another way, write down this verse because it's important to understand this. It says this, did God really say? See, the enemy who's the father of lies Oftentimes, majority of times, starts with a simple statement, did God really say? And he goes to, Adam, to Eve first because she's the one that's right there. And he says, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Now the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you certainly will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. She took, so she took some of its fruit and ate and she also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Here's the thing. The enemy was not slowly building this war. He was not slowly, subtly, can like, I'm going to do it here, but then I'm going to back off. He full on out the gate came to attack. The enemy did not wait. The enemy was actively engaged in attacking humanity. If you know something about this, the Bible says that God created Adam and Eve in his image. You and I, as part of humankind, have been created in God's image. We carry God's image. It's not a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. We carry God's image. The enemy doesn't like that. Anything that has to do with God, he detests. He wants to tear down. As we know, remember last week, he came to steal, kill, and destroy. He's only in it for himself. He doesn't care about you or me. From the very beginning, we see the enemy's desire is to deceive, is to manipulate, and to rip apart God and his relationship with man. So he came in with a simple question. 
did God really say? And I wonder how many of us in this room have had that same statement said to us. Is God really trustworthy? See, does he really care? Does he really have a plan and a purpose for your life? Is God really going to see you through that circumstance or situation? Does God really love you? See, the enemy's not interested in trying to woo you for the sake of fun. He's in, the, he's in the intention to woo you, to rip you apart from your relationship with God because God understands, or the enemy knows, truth is what sets us free. See, the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He aimed to deceive and lie to cause doubt for Adam and Eve. What do you doubt? What do they doubt? That God's trustworthy. They doubted that God actually provided everything they'd need. See, in the Garden of Eden, they were perfect. God provided for them everything they would need. They had relationship. They had provision. They had food. They had this beautiful place to live in. And when the enemy came in asking a simple question, did God really say? The target was to create doubt. The target was to take their focus off of what they've been given to believe that they've lacked something. And when they believed that they lacked something, they began to question, God, do you really have my best in mind? Are you holding out on me? Am I not good enough for you? Did you really care about me? And here's the reality. There's circumstances that you and I face all the time. I don't know your circumstance, but I know some of you have come in today. And the circumstance you're in the midst of is not what you wanted it to be. Where you can come back and the enemy is slowly, quickly, and quietly saying to you, see, God doesn't really love you. If he loved you, you wouldn't go through this. If he loved you, you wouldn't be struggling financially. If he loved you, he would be right here with you. Where is he? But the truth of the matter is, we know that God loves us because scripture tells us so. I'm thankful today that God just didn't let us sit in this, in this moment of lies, that he's not just letting us like, go figure it out, Aaron. I hope, you, I hope you figure it out. Good luck. Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, right before he, he calls out who the enemy is, Jesus says this to these, these same Jews who have believed in him. It says, if you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus did not expect us or desire us to stay in the midst of the lies, because if we stay with the lies of the enemy, we become hopeless. If we stay with the lies of the enemy, we become paralyzed. We become unsure of where do we even go and what do we even do. For those of us who have grown up in church, maybe it's this question of like, is this even worth believing anymore? Because we started believing a lie that says, if God really loved you, if God was all powerful, if God created you and created me with intention, with purpose, then these things wouldn't be happening, which isn't true at all. First off, we just sang a song that said, if, if trusting in you leads me to suffering, I'm still going to rejoice because you're with me. 
I've been reading the book of Daniel recently and to listen and read some of the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know there's a VeggieTale version. I don't know what that is because I haven't watched it. Benny, I think, is one of the names. <laughs> to, to read the story of Daniel in the lion's den where there's lies being spoken about them where the enemy who's accusing and attacking and lying, they stand firm. Because Jesus said the same thing. Hold tightly to truth. See, we see this play out. Jesus was not just a big talker. Jesus also walked the walk. He modeled for you and I a behavior and a pattern that's, that's possible for you and I to live because he was fully man as well as fully God. And sometimes I think we get it mixed up because we understand God's divinity. We understand Christ's divinity as the son of God, but we forget that he was also fully man. There's this moment in Luke chapter four, verses three through 13. I don't have time to read it today, but it's the temptation of Jesus. Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove and you hear from heaven, those who are there, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then it says Jesus was then led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. Have you ever done something for 40 days? It's not easy. It's not fun. Depending on what you're doing, I guess. If I could golf for 40 days, that'd be awesome. <laughs> if I could enjoy weather like this for 40 days, which we don't get that here in Washington State, but if you're on the east side of the mountains, you do. Maybe that's where you're at today if you're online. But for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. The devil attacked him and lied to him, and he attacked his identity. The devil said, if you are the son of God, then he proceeded to challenge him. If you are who you say you are, if God really did say that you're his son whom he's well pleased with, he attacked him in his greatest need and desire. Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days. Then he was like, hey, you hungry? I could see him snacking on a sandwich or something right in the midst of that. Hey, see these stones turn to bread. You're son of God, you can do anything, right? Then he attacked him with his worship took him to the, to the highest heights, showed him all the world that he had. If you just worship me, I'll give you all power, dominion, status. Challenged him with scripture. The enemy, his desire is to steal, kill, and destroy every ounce of our hope, our trust, and our identity. He attacks us in our greatest moments of weakness and need, and he attacks us in our greatest heights. And he attacks us in ways that are meant to manipulate and create doubt in trusting that God is who he says he is, that God will do what he said he will do. Jesus said, listen to me, if you are my disciples, you will stay close to obeying my teachings. What do you and I have for Christ's teachings today? The B-I-B-L-E-S, that's the book for me. I actually think I spoke a message on this back at the beginning of the year. This is the source of truth that you and I have been given throughout generations. It says in John 1 that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, referring to Jesus, who's the fulfillment of every word in this book. You and I have been given truth to hold tightly to, to cling to, to not forget or neglect because God understands the battle that we are against with the father of lies. The truth has been given to you and I to lead us towards freedom in the midst of the attack of the enemy. Jesus doesn't want to see us cast to the wayside. 
He doesn't hope that we'll endure. I hope you'll figure it out. He's given us everything we need in the way he lived his life as a human, as a man, facing temptation for 40 days, where he has empathy with us when we're tempted. He understands. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Why? Because the enemy is a liar and the truth was given so you and I could be free. The lies of the enemy are not something to laugh at unless we are anchored to truth. And all the lies and all of the thoughts that are actively at work in our brains and our minds and our hearts, it is imperative and necessary that we hinge our lives upon Jesus, the life, the teaching, and the model of who he was as fully man and the son of God. It seems overly simplistic. I've been wrestling with this all week. Thank God this is such a simple message. Jesus, you tell us to hold to truth. You tell us to cling to truth in the face of lies. Because how do you know someone's lying when you know they're not telling the truth? Aaron, that's a stupid statement, but it's true. Some of you laughed when I made this statement that the Seahawks are my favorite football team. Because you know it's not true. If you know a statement's not true, are you going to believe it? No, I hope not at least. How do you and I know what the enemy says to be a liar? Truth, first off, we need to know that he's a liar. So the majority of things that come out of his mouth, there's no truth to them. It's manipulative. It's deceitful. It's subtle. But Jesus says, if you obey my teachings, you'll know the truth. And the truth will bring freedom. It will take the big, bad lies of the enemy and make them very small statements that don't matter. But you know what's necessary? That we cling and hold tightly to truth in our hearts, in our minds, and in our spirits. Last week, Pastor Nick launched this series, Leveraging Ephesians chapter 6, which highlights the spiritual war that we are in. He talked about the armor of God. As Christians, this is what we're told by Paul to put on so we can stand firm in the midst of the attack of the enemy. And I just want to take a look at verse 13, which reiterates that statement. But I also want to look at verse 14, because it tells us the first piece of armor to put on, which I think is very much relevant today. It says this, Therefore, Paul writing, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Then it says this, Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of what? Of truth. The first piece of armor you and I are told to put on by Paul is the belt of truth. It's not the, the shield of faith. It's not the, the breastplate of righteousness. It's not the helmet of salvation. It's not preparing the feet for the gospel of peace. It's the belt of truth. Why? Why is this important? And I'm glad you're thinking and asking that question. Author and writer and pastor Kent Hughes writes in his commentary called Preaching the Word about this passage specifically. He says this. He says, when a soldier tightened his belt, he was ready for combat. 
because in the process of tightening, he drew up his tunic, cinched it so that it could not impede him as he charged into battle. It also firmly fixed the sword in place. Anybody remember what the sword of the spirit was? The word of God. So by cinching up the belt of truth, it firmly fixed the sword of the spirit in place. But what the soldier did was even more crucial, Kent Hughes says. His belt held everything in place. Without it, he would be powerless in battle. Paul says that truth performs this critical function in spiritual warfare. Truth holds the spiritual armor in place and safeguards against deadly entanglements. To what truth is he referring? This is the eternal biblical truth revealed in scriptures. There is objective spiritual truth in Jesus and his scriptures. Truth about God, ourselves, history, and the future. Without it, we do not have a chance in the spiritual battles that come our way. Without cinching ourselves tightly with this truth of scripture, the other weapons of our warfare will clatter in disarray. Those who have stood firm as great warriors for Christ have been men and women of the word and were so filled with the eternal truth of scripture. The truth that God has given us is this belt that we put on first in the fight that we face against an enemy who is the father of lies. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the circumstances you face, but what I do know is that the lies of the enemy are out to steal, kill, and destroy you. But God has given us his word, the truth that is meant to hold everything in place in the battle we face. It keeps the sword of the spirit right where it should be. If you're right-handed, it's probably over here. That'd be weird, right? Have your Bible in a holster, holster right here. I guess if you have a smartphone, that they have those clips that you can put on. But, but your belt, the belt of truth, truth is what holds everything together. The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He's out to throw lies at you, lies about your identity, that is built up in what your desire. It's built up based upon your understanding of who you are. It neglects the truth that you and I are created in God's image. It neglects that you and I are children of God, and that is who we are, that we live and move and have our being from that truth. The enemy's attack of identity is to make you think otherwise. Your identity is a, children, a child of God. It attacks identities and the lies of success that say your success hinges solely on what you have in your bank account, solely upon your position and status in the world you live in, rather than obedience to who Jesus is and what he says. He lies about your value and worth, that it's hinged solely on what you have to offer and what you have to give. Not that you are good enough, not that you are worthy, because Christ paid everything for you. The Bible says you were ransomed by the life and death of Jesus and the resurrection, praise God. See, the enemy is going to attack and throw lies at you about marriage that says marriage, you're going to experience the best marriage possible when it's all about you getting what you can out of the relationship. When marriage is a biblical expression 
and a beautiful picture of a mutual submission to Jesus. And out of that mutual submission, you recognize the power and self of laying yourself down and serving your spouse. Where it's no longer about what you deem or what you want, but it's about how do I serve and honor my spouse above everything else? My wife is far greater this than I am. And God is working on me by the grace of the Lord of God. But the, lie, the enemy is going to lie about how your marriage, the enemy is going to lie about humanity, how one race is greater than another. But we're all created in God's image. No one is greater. See, the enemy wants to lie. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He lies about truth, where there's no absolute truth, where truth is what shifts with the times, with the culture, with the context, that truth is what it will, will move with the external surroundings. Not that there's actually absolute solid truth. His name's Jesus. He's given us his word as the fulfillment of the word because he doesn't want us to be hopeless. See, we're given the belt of truth to cinch everything up so when the battle comes, we're able to stand firm in the midst of the lies of the enemy. We've been given access from God's word to be able to stand firm based upon truth. So here's my question. What are you doing now to equip yourself to stand firm in the midst of the lies of the enemy? You heard in the video announcement, spring discipleship starting tomorrow. And yes, I would say there's still time to get signed up. I'm, I'm thrilled and excited, probably because I'm one of the ones that oversees it. But I really do believe what God has done in our time together via Zoom discipleship has created a greater depth and a greater intentionality in light of life groups taking a break because of COVID and we wanna be cautious and safe. But one of the things that I really reflect back on and I hear reports from is, is what Pastor Jen, who's our Connections Pastor, my beautiful wife, Cassandra, they were leading a group last session called Get Out of Your Head. The first week that they did is that well, the challenge and the homework was simply this, to write this verse, Ephesians 6, and put and memorize it. I saw this verse written in a, in a note taped to my mirror in the bottom right-hand corner, so my wife wasn't just saying do this, she was also practicing it. Pastor Nick mentioned this last week about one of the first things he did after giving his life to Christ is he began to memorize scripture. He began to put it in front of him to where he can then have access to truth whenever he needs it. One of the things my wife and I did when we first started dating that we haven't done since, which is really funny, but we spent time trying to memorize scripture together. And I still remember the vague truth of the scriptures we remembered. Why is this important? Because we're not gonna walk around with our Bibles at the ready position whenever a lie comes our way. Hey, you're not worth it. Well, that's not true. The Bible, um, it says in, 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 oh shoot, where was it again? This is not meant to be at our hip, ready to pull out and fire back. The memorizing of scripture puts the word of God inside of us. So when the enemy comes at us, we can say, that's not true. God has given us truth to stand firm when the enemy lies. We got to memorize God's word. Here's the interesting I spent a lot of my life recently reading God's word. I've never been a good student of God's word up until recently, probably seven years ago. And there's moments where I'll read through the scripture, I'll read the reading plans, and I'm like, I don't remember anything I just read. Then there will be a circumstance and a situation that comes up weeks, months, years down the road. And as I'm sitting there processing, the scripture that I remember reading years ago pops back in my head where the Holy Spirit then brings it back to the surface and gives me truth to which I can anchor my life to. 
can't anchor to the thing you don't engage. We have got to memorize scripture. Another quick tip and hack. This actually was presented via a question uh, by a gentleman who's tuning in online right now. His name's Tim. He listens to our podcast that Pastor Evan and myself host every week. It actually drops today, this week's podcast. And this question he posed simply asked about scripture being put around homes. And the question was phrased in the sense of like, hey, older generations put scripture around their homes. And then when younger generations come in, they have rolly eyes is what he said. I love the phrase rolly eyes. Why is it important that we should probably jump back into that practice? Or is it even important? That was kind of his question, my paraphrase. So Tim, thank you for that question. But it was interesting because then it was fun for Evan and I to process through this question. And it got me thinking and talking. My wife and I, we've put verses for our kids on, their, on the walls in their bedrooms. We selected a verse when we dedicated them, and that verse is prominently in their bedroom. When Esther, who's now one, when we dedicate her, there will be a passage of scripture that we highlight that we will put on her wall as well. Why? Because we want our kids to know the truth that God is speaking over them that he gave us when we first held them in our arms. There's verses in my house, there's statements of truth in my house, that's a sign that says, bind my wandering heart to thee. One of my favorite hymns, come thou fount because my, I don't want to drift from the Lord, so bind my wandering heart to thee. There's a scripture on my wall by my door that's a reminder to me of why God brought us to the neighborhood we did, that we would not just be a blessing to the community, that we would pray that God would show his face upon our neighbors, even the neighbor who likes to mow his lawn at 10 p.m. at night. God bless him. It only happened once. but I know there's neighbors you don't like. And the enemy wants to make you feel more important than your neighbors. And scripture doesn't tell us that. Consider others better than yourself. Pump the brakes on that one. Put scripture around your home to memorize it, to have it at the ready position so when a lie comes at you, you're able to say, not today, Satan. No, thank you. That's not true. I am precious. I am God's workmanship. I have a purpose and a calling and a future. That he will equip me to do what he's called me to do. That God hasn't thrown me to the side. But that he cares. We have got to remember the enemy is a liar. But truth is what brings freedom. To live the life that he's promised. He being Jesus, not the enemy. So how are you doing today in standing firm when the lies come at you? What do you need to do today to start putting truth in front of you? Do you need to memorize scripture? Maybe you need to take a little colorful sticky note, write a verse on there, and put it on your mirror. Ephesians 2, 11, I think you are his workmanship. You were created with purpose. We have to remember that the enemy is a liar, but truth brings freedom today. Let me pray for you, Lord. I, I just thank you.
for your word. And Lord, I wish I could have the time to speak and encourage your people even more than I've already been able to. I pray you would help each and every one of us to walk out here knowing that the things that I'm holding against myself are not rooted in you. God, that we are your children, that our identity is secure. It's not hinged on or or attached to what we think or what we feel or what we understand, but God, it is attached to the truth that we are your children. God, that you would help us to believe the truth that you've given us and where the enemy comes at us with lies to manipulate, to deceive, just like you, Jesus, face the temptation to do so, I pray that you would draw your word back to the forefront of our minds, that we would be able to stand firm because the truth is placed around our, the, the belt of truth is placed around our, our entire being. Father, help us to grow, help us to learn, help us to daily commit to not just reading, but leveraging the truth of your word so we could honor you with every bit so that we could stand firm against the lies of the enemy because he is a liar and we don't get to believe him and have to believe him anymore. I thank you today for your truth and I thank you today for freedom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.